Welcome to the Mike Hewitt Show, 10 years and growing. It's about family, business, work, and politics like you've never heard it before. Yep, it's true. There's more than just a touch of wry humor mixed in. And now your host, Mike Hewitt. Folks, my name is Mike Hewitt. Co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedemdorski. Our guest today is Professor Victor Davis Hansen. Professor, thank you very much for joining us. Welcome to the Mike Hewitt Show. Thank you for having me. Uh, I, listen, it's it's our genuinely our honor. Folks, a little background. Professor Victor Davis Hansen is a senior fellow at the Hoover Institute. You're a prolific writer. I have to give you that. I see articles and opinion pieces and books. Very, very impressive. All three of us are excited to have you on board. Um, and now with that, Miles Bauer, you've got a battery of questions for the good professor. Please jump in. Yeah, as as Mike said, it is an honor over the past several years on the show, I will bring some of your articles and we will all sit around and discuss them. As some might be aware, some of Dr. Hansen's work is a war like no other, the case for Trump, which I personally enjoy, given that Mike and Ludd are cruisers. <laughs> And, of course, the uh, dying citizen, how progressive elites, tribalism, and globalization are destroying the idea of America. All three of us have discussed much of that over the years. I'll start off, Dr. Hansen, with a couple questions around the uh, dying citizen, and then I'll kind of splinter off into some other ideas. And the dying citizen you uh, write, citizenship includes traditions and customs within borders. And borders are key because citizenship can be diluted once it gets beyond natural confines. Do you think some of this idea explains the Biden administration's opening of the southern, southern border? Yes. There's a lot of motivations on its part. One is that they feel that we've had a record number of residents in the United States that were not born here. I think we're up to 50 million or the highest percentage we ever had, 13. And they feel that that's played a large role, A, in flipping formerly red or purple states to blue, whether it's California, Nevada, New Mexico, Colorado, perhaps now Arizona and even Georgia and American South and Southwest. That's one motivation. Second is, uh, they, it's more abstract. They don't believe in borders. They believe that they're citizens of the world and we're not particularly singular and borders are artificial constructs. And then they have members in their constituency uh, the identity politics constituency that believes that the United States has improperly taken land from Mexico in the past or has it planted an unfair border or is racist and it has to have atonement by opening the border, which is kind of paradoxical because if it was such a terrible place, people you would think would not want to enter it, but the opposite is true. So there's a lot of motivations, both abstract and concrete. Yeah, and you know, the the thing that I find fascinating, and correct me if I'm wrong, but 
as the folks are leaving your home state of California to go to other states, I ironically, is it true that some of them are actually going to Mexico? There are those reports, but the people who are doing that are pretty affluent, middle and upper middle class. And they are welcomed by the Mexican government for the cash that they bring, but they are not welcomed by the average Mexican citizens who resent their um, privilege, so to speak. Right. And it's part of another paradox where Mexicans tend to resent wealthy Americans that come into their country, and they resent Guatemalans and Hondurans that come into their country but they don't seem to apply the same standards to their own citizens who come into our country. And right. they resent terribly any suggestion that the Americans would interfere in their, their own politics. But yes, but yet President Obrador has, for example, urged citizens in Florida not to vote for Ron DeSantis for president, and he's our governor earlier, and he's suggested that Mexican-Americans or Mexican residents uh, vote Democratic, which is a blatant interference in our politics. Right. Now, I was interested in the idea that you, you speak in the book about the importance of an existing middle class. Otherwise, you are left with just elites and an underclass, which I think you equated the elites to Silicon Valley and then the underclass because fundamentally the middle class has left California. Did I read that correctly or, or no? I said it was a process that what was happening were three centrifugal forces. We've had an aggregate about 10 to 15 million illegal aliens enter the state that has more illegal aliens than any other state, and roughly half of those in the United States. At the same time, we've had over the last 20 years about 8 to 10 million uh, California middle class, mostly conservative, who are leaving California for Utah, Wyoming, Nevada, Texas, and Florida on the basis of either low taxes or no taxes or better services. And then we've had enormous amounts of capital concentrated in the Bay Area, $9 trillion of market capitalization. And that means that kind of a medieval system where big, big money along the California coastal corridor has these utopian agendas that doesn't affect them. And then the conservative resistance has wilted away and left and discussed. And then we have uh, one third of the population of recent immigrants below of all California residents uh, below the about one fourth below the poverty line, one third of all people on welfare in the United States are in California. We have a one class of wealthy, small, and a large class of poor, and a shrinking and fleeing middle class. Right. I do want to follow up on that a bit later. One of the quotes that you had in the book that I'd like you to explain to our listeners is, once a man owes more loyalty to his first cousin than to a fellow citizen, a constitutional republic cannot exist. Yeah, well, that's pretty much how much of the world operates. 
in the Middle East and Latin America, parts of Asia, that people hire or fire or admitted or rejected to institutions on the basis of tribal loyalty. That is, their tribal, ethnic, or familial relations give them advantage over other people in lieu of meritocracy. What made the West unique is that they were one of the first civilizations to try to be racially and ethnically blind, at least in terms of meritocracy, especially in the United States. And that has been the secret to our success, that we struggle with innate human prejudices, but we were better than any other country in overcoming them and hiring on the basis of aptitude or experience or expertise. And that now seems to be replaced by tribal considerations of race and gender. And ideology, too. Right. Yeah, I mean, do you think that they, and when I say they, I mean the uh, government wants to tribalize us because if they can get us back into a tribal formation, we're easier to control. Yeah, I think part of it is the the ensuing tensions, racial, ethnic tensions, they feel is are valuable and they can create a binary between a nation of victims and victimizers, and then they're the adjudicator, and they step in and say... Let me jump in for just a second. Folks, we've got to go to a break, but we are just getting going. Stay with us. We will be right back. Listen, folks, we've got uh, Professor Victor Davis Hanson with us. Uh, let me let me jump in for just a little bit, guys, before we run out of time. There's a couple things that I want to ask. Uh, Professor, I see you often described as an American classicist. And let me preface my question by telling you that's one of the things that really, really lit up the sky for me in reading your writing. But I need you to do me a favor and take a moment to tell our listeners what it means to be an American classicist. Well, by training, it means that you uh, study the Greek and Latin classical languages as kind of an entree into classical history, history of the ancient world, archaeology of the ancient world, epigraphy, numismatics, and political institutions. And, and then you are hired as a professor that teaches both the classical languages and then courses in great literature of the West or history of early Western civilization or Western civilization itself, comparative linguistics, things like that. It gives yep. you good grounding in the traditions that the United States and Europe had inherited. Listen, I, I, I got to tell you what gins me up about that particular study is is from, I'm, I'm an amateur historian, but I absolutely love American history. And when I look at founding, most or many of our founders, as you're aware, would probably best be described exactly as you just did. But tell me, tell me what I'm hoping to get your view on is the uh, the United Nations ESG initiative and what you believe that. I know you've got to go soon, but I really want to get your view of their long-term game plan with that ESG initiative. Well, they're pretty clear about it. Klaus Schwab wrote a book about COVID and the Great Reset, and I read it very carefully and I've written about it. And a lot of others have too. And their view, uh, the planet is too precious or fragile to be entrusted by to elected governments, 
because their people are not educated at the level of the Davos crowd, and they make the wrong decisions on climate, investment, diversity, identity, politics, borders, etc. So they envision uh, setting international rules, as they did with Ireland, for example, that there will be limits of uh, limits put on international corporations, on tax codes, that one country can't lower their tax rates to attract industry. But instead, if everybody's on the same page and there's an international consortium that can override individual constitutional governments, then they can they have a pathway to a better future, so they say. And that better future is things like telling corporations that you have to have uh, a social or cultural consciousness. So you have to talk about equity or environment or social governance. And by that, they would mean we were going to, they would adjudicate how a corporation could perform in the international sector. Let's take Disney. If Disney wants to put a theme park in, I don't know, Italy, or they want to put one in Vietnam, then an international body would look at it and say, we want to see how your investments help our green agenda or how they reflect people on race and gender or how they reflect particular other aspects of our agenda. And we're going to have, we need the right to have that power. So, prof- so you can prof- see elements of it already. You do. It's already pre- manifested itself, itself with the Paris Climate Accord is a good example. International Criminal Court is a good example. The UN Commission on Human Rights is a good example. It's that type of supranational body that they're lobbying for. But, 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 Professor, it feels like they're trying to get directly into our culture now. So beyond, beyond these legalises and terminologies that most folks might read about on a shared story on Facebook, now it's, now it's deeper. And so they're, and this is my view, and I'm a layperson, but... It looks like, in fact, I'm reading a story just before we, we uh, went, went on the air. Uh, ESG, their, their, uh, <laughs> their measuring system has legacy tobacco companies are out, are, they're posting higher on this than, say, Tesla for electric vehicles. And it's because the, the tobacco companies are willing to pay, play their, what I perceive as fringe left cultural um, uh, alterations. Budweiser, Target, the list goes on. Yeah. But that's all from ESG, and to me it's designed to reinvent our culture. Am I wrong with that? No, I think that's right. I, I, the ESG people then have various groups that calibrate a degree to, it's kind of like the old Jesse Jackson Rainbow Coalition. They did the same thing on matters of race. They would go to Toyota and say, we're going to boycott you, we're going to sue you unless these people are appointed. The ESG ranking organizations, and they rank these corporations, and they say, if you have a low score, we're going to go after you. We're going to tell investment advisors not to direct stocks or investments into your companies or corporations, things like that. And then the corporation reacts accordingly, and that's the purpose. And the agenda is not really an American agenda, at least if you could ascertain that by polling Americans on what they feel. And so the agenda is things like, we should uh, ban natural gas, and Americans don't want to do that, or we should go to electric cars, but we should not build nuclear plants. That's not tolerable and not acceptable. We have to do wind and solar, or we should have 
uh, high-rise cities where people will commute on mass transit, but they should not have a three-bedroom, two-bath home with a lawn and two cars in the garage and commute by car. So they have an entire utopian infrastructure they want to implant on the United States. Most of it, to be honest, comes from Europe and our two coasts that, that tend to be Europeanized. And there, there's no popularity. But it also goes into, I think people should realize, it goes into other areas. And the other areas are if you were an artillery officer in Afghanistan and you wanted an airstrike, you had to be very careful because the International Criminal Court said that it could come in and indict you. And even though the U.S. military didn't allow that, if you were indicted, then you might not be able to travel post-military service to particular countries. Or Anthony Blinken then asked the United Nations after the George Floyd death to come in and, and to adjudicate, and we had that ran on that commission, whether the United States was systematically racist. And things like that, or the Paris Climate Accord, where we more than met uh, the requirements, even though we got out of it, and yet China did not, and yet they were quoting China as a preferable member than the United right. States. That called was a, us a rogue nation. Yep, that was a fascinating so, thing. Listen, before, before yeah. let me stop you for just a second. Miles, uh, the professor is going to be leaving in less than a minute. You got a final question for him before he's got to go? No, I uh, I would just say it it has been an honor for, for me, Dr. Hansen. I have discussed your articles on this show repeatedly over the last uh, several years. So thank you so much for joining the uh, show. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Listen, Dr. Victor Davis Hansen, we've got to get you back sometime. And in fact, I wouldn't mind keeping you for uh, for way more than, than, uh, than you'd probably prefer because there's a whole bunch of topics we would all three like to take you to take you uh, uh, have you educate us on to be candid with you. So, listen, I know you've got to go. I genuinely appreciate you joining us. Thank you very much, and please be safe, Doctor. Okay. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Now, Ludwig, you've been quiet. What did you think? The, yeah, the your, mic is, your, your microphone's on. You can say something. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I've been sitting here just reading and listening. <laughs> Uh, now, listen, the professor is obviously, <clears throat> in, in, in technical terms, head and shoulders above us. In, he's in the guy's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I watch him on TV. I've, now I've got to listen to him here. I mean, it, how can you not be educated when you listen to him? Whether you agree or disagree, there's a lot of substance there. Oh, listen, facts are hard to argue. Yeah. Was that Reagan facts are stubborn things? Yeah. And so, did, when, so when you say someone disagrees... It's because they've got their political hat on rather than their fact hat. Or they're un and, uneducated. Um, they don't know the fact. Yeah, but the, 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 and you're right about that. The problem is so frustrating to me is that finding these things are so easy, folks. It is. And it's not something you saw shared in a meme on fake book. Do some late research on some of these topics. Oh, I, I find that fearsome. I do. I really do. The stuff that I, it doesn't matter. I, I see more memes than I do personal statuses anymore on Facebook. Miles, 30 seconds before break. Any final words on our, on our time with Victor Davis Hanson? I, I, I really in, in enjoyed that. I, I got to tell you, I never thought I'd be able to have a conversation with him. We're going to get him back, Miles Bauer. Um, yeah. I, I wish we had more time today, but he's clearly a busy fella. We appreciated him. Listen, folks, we've still got a whole nother half of a show and we've got some big stuff coming. Please stay with us. We will be right back.
Folks, if you're just tuning in, I am Mike Hewitt, co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedemdorski. Listen, homework before we get going. We are broadcasting from our flagship station in beautiful Holland, Michigan, right on the shores of Lake Michigan. It is WHTC, 1450 AM and 99.7 FM, but we are heard in a number of states. We appreciate all of our affiliates, but mostly we appreciate you very much for listening to us, folks. Um, with that, listen, I enjoyed Miles Bauer. This was your your uh, your doing. I enjoyed having Victor Davis Hanson on the show today. The three of us don't do many interviews now and then, but he was a he was a a, a pleasant change in direction. So, oh, yeah. Lud, what do you got to say for yourself? You did it. I always am at fault. Lud was Lud was completely silent. He was he. And I'm waving him. That's the part you don't see. I'm waving him. But he just, I think he just wanted to give you the highway out of respect. Is that right, Lud? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, All right. I'm reading an article from Fox News. Their title, Our Country Needs Help. Americans in Nation's Biggest Blue City grade President Biden's performance, and they give him lackluster reviews. And I find that fascinating. Because he's doing everything that they asked him to do. Like him or not, by the way. Forget, and by the way, forget whether it's actually him doing it. That, that administration is playing to fringe left. When I look at the Big Apple, Gotham City, I think fringe left. I'm sorry, I do. That's what I think. And I know that on our podcasts from this show, Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a number of other podcast including our home whtc.com's podcast i know that we've got folks from that area listening i can't apologize to you because if you're still there shame on you you've done it to yourself that place is a screwball haven and and they're not happy with them and i'm miles i love either one of you i'm trying to understand if their discontentment is he didn't go too far or they don't like the results of their own policy demands. They don't like the results. Listen, I've said it forever. People believe that these systems just didn't do it right. And they didn't have the Constitution. Well, the Constitution doesn't invoke those policies to live that way. So if you go down that path, the Constitution goes away. Freedom of speech, right to bear arms, all, no search and warrants, all the things that we have, the rights we have in the Bill of Rights and the Constitution the government set up as, go away. It doesn't help socialism be propped up. And it's easy to say you want this lifestyle when you're watching it on TV in somebody else's neighborhood. It's different when they're knocking on your door, going to your local Walgreens, beating up your grandma. It's a whole different story when it comes in your backyard. I think that's true. I, I really do. I actually agree well, with you. You know, you, know, you know what I find fascinating is that there are polls that are saying, yeah, the uh, Dems are not real happy with uh, Biden, but if push comes to shove, they're still going to vote for this screwball. That's exactly right, but that goes to the uh, senator out east that can't carry on a sentence. Folks, I'm, what's his name? Help me with his name. I'm drawing a blank. I just think of Shrek, the, 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 the um, stroke, Pennsylvania senator. The, the stroke victim. And Fetterman. Folks, Fetterman. Thank you. And I don't mean, folks, please, I don't mean that disparagingly. I mean that his circumstance does not, it makes him not qualified to hold that office. Listen, I've got, I'm, I've a, I'm disabled. I've got a, a heart issue. So you probably don't want to hire me to, you know, move logs in your backyard. There are things that folks can't do. 
He can't do that. And they vote for him anyway. Here's the worst part, Miles. That goes to your point. They will vote to reelect him. Yeah. He's a no-show. When he is, he's a babbling idiot. And I don't mean that disparagingly. And they're going to reelect him because he's got a D. They're no, voting I know. for a D. I mean, like, it, it was like the mayoral election that we just had in Chicago where they, they got rid of Lighthead. But then they get some bigger screwball to replace her. You got to give them credit on that part. How do you reach beyond the fringe left politics that they were, that she represented? And they did it. They excelled at their own idiocy. Yeah. That's pretty profound when you think about it. It's not. I mean, that, that, that is just doubling down. Right. Yeah, but they don't see it that way. Right. They, they don't see it that way. Now, listen. Lud, let me tell you the short story, because I want, to, I want to defend the screwball left for a minute, and I'm not calling you and your wife screwball left, so don't take it that way. We're looking at an art document today today oh. over a meal. Yeah. And this, this, by, folks, this is not ideological, so don't take it that way. And I did not mean that teasingly. We all see something very different looking at one page, and the human mind can do that. They look at something, the left... They see something on these things that we clearly, flatly don't see. I think part of that goes to social media because they're off in the wing of the world that's, that agrees with them, both politically, with art, with every topic. You, they surround the, It goes to tribalization. One of the questions that Dr. Hansen got asked. It goes to tribalization. So everybody's in this little dinky glob of people that, where they agree. So we're sitting having a meal together. We are dear friends, folks. As much as I tease, Lud, we're close. I'm looking at him going, you think that's nice? That thing's hideous. We had just respectfully different views. Well, I didn't think it's nice. I just didn't. I, I saw. Here's my problem. I think everything nowadays is so politically driven. Yep. When I looked at the thing the first time, I didn't think politics. I thought acid trip or psychedelic or Grateful Dead had that vibe, that... Colorful, weird, flowy, mushrooms, rainbow, checkerboard type vibe. So I'm like, okay. And I'm like, well, what's the problem with it? And then my wife proceeded to tell me what was going on. And I'm like, really? This became politics? I didn't see that at all. But then as I we talked about it more and more, finding how that cover became the actual cover, that was politically driven. It was. That cover became the cover because of politics. Not because the drawing was political. No, but you see where then. By the way, folks, just so you know, that was actually the debate that we got in. When I looked at, when I looked at the uh, the artwork, the keeping in mind, I'm a, I'm a, a rough writer, but I'm a writer. I immediately saw plagiarism. That was my view of it. I immediately saw a, a copy of art from the 70s, um, which was back then talking about Alice in Wonderland on the checkerboard, and it was psychedelic, etc. But that's what I saw when I saw that piece. You saw politics. It, it no, no, I didn't see politics. Well, i got to tell you, in the end, it doesn't matter. But my only point in raising it up is that honest people can see things differently. That's where I'm actually trying to take that. Listen, let's change directions. Biden chuckles at reporters' question about possible Burisma recordings. Miles Bauer... Does he have a reason to chuckle, or should he be concerned? I think he's so ar arrogant about it. I think he, he thinks he is above it all. 
He does. Somehow he thinks his presidency is higher than the than other presidents. I find well, and, I find that fascinating. And, and and I mean, think about it. He's he's got the DOJ on his side. He's got yep. the FBI on on his, his side. So he's ins, insulated. He to does this, the same way Hunter is. So the background of what I'm reading, folks. Senator Chuck Grassley says Burisma executive who allegedly paid Joe and Hunter Biden $5 million, kept 17 audio recordings of conversations dealing with that transaction. And so we're arguing, and by, by the way, we're not even, we're going to have to save this for, for the final segment today, but we're not even having a conversation about where all of the security-rich documents got held, not by Trump, but by Biden. And by the way, by FDR and a handful of other presidents, as you'll hear when we come back from break. But I find this fearsome that he can be that brazen to and look everybody in America in the face and laugh at this. This is big stuff to say you and your immediate family received $5 million to be to, to do this. This is outrageous to me. The hypocrisy is overwhelming. I guess that's what I'm going to say. 30 seconds, Miles. Final comments on that? I was going to say, the swamp does not police the swamp, as I've said many times on the show. Yep. So that I have very, very little hope that this is ever going to come to fruition. All right. Do me a favor, folks. We've got one huge final segment coming up. Stay with us with that, and we will be right back. Mike Hewitt here. A headline from ABC News. No, Donald Trump's classified documents case is not like Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton's cases. Are they correct? Remember Eisenhower's summer White House? Kennedy's winter White House? Nixon's western White House? Reagan's western White House? Clinton at Martha's Vineyard? Obama the same? Biden Delaware? Trump the winter White House? My point? They and their staffs didn't stop serving while away from the White House. Every single administration literally had truckloads of security-rich documents going back and forth. You think it all made it back? If there's evidence to advance charges against Trump, give him a fair trial by a jury of his peers, but provide the same due process to every single administration from FDR to Biden. Intellectual honesty tells you there's no difference. Anything less than all of them is our Department of Justice going full banana republic partisan. Find the Mike Hewitt Show on Spotify and Apple Podcast. You'll like it. Miles Bauer, tell us, am I, am I off in the ditch with that, or do you agree? Oh, no, I um, agree. As a matter of fact, I, re I, I remember um, VDH was on a TV show this, this pa past week, and he was saying if both sides weaponize the Department of Justice and the a a FBI, depending on who is in power, he, he came up with a phrase that we would no longer be in a democracy we would be in a mobocracy. He is exactly correct, and that's and that's how I see this. Um, listen, I, I I use cliche terms. I apologize, but to me, it is banana republic partisanship. Um, I I did some research over the week, um, trying to create that sixty-second piece, folks. I could not, and I didn't go further back than FDR. 
So I'm not saying that was the stop line. That was the stop line for my investigation. You can do the exact same thing yourself. Please do DuckDuckGo.com because Google will steer you into a swamp. Every single administration, I omitted Carter, I omitted both of the Bushes. I did that because of 60 seconds and not purposely omitting them. Every single administration from FDR forward, both parties, both those presidents that were only in office for a term and those two-term presidents, every single administration had truckloads, not boxes in the back of a sedan, not the limo filled up, literally truckloads. They look like U-Haul truckloads. Every single administration had documents that were engaged in talking about war and nuclear power and what you know JFK's going back and forth to Florida filled with the arms the, the arms race with with the Soviet Union, Nixon with the negotiations with China, super top secret rich boxes of material. If anybody listening, either party, either any of the ideologies, if any of you folks think that all those documents were turned in at the end, you are woefully lying to yourself. You can do your own research. I did it. I used DuckDuckGo.com. On occasion, I'd go to Google just to test the other side. By the way, the difference was profound. Every single administration. And I'm not defending Trump, by the way, just so everybody knows. I'm a rule of law and order. I'm, I'm the policy wonk guy. If the guy did wrong, if it's believed that he did wrong, if there's an evidence that raises to the level of charge, give him a fair jury of his peers, although I highly question where you're going to find the definition of peers that our founders used as a definition of peers. So you got to find 12 billionaires that are former presidents. Yeah, look it up. By the way, get your handy-dandy, trusty Fourth Amendment out while you're looking. It isn't possible to provide him with a fair trial. That said, if you take him to task for this, unless you're saluting the Banana Republic, you must literally do it with every single administration there's ever been because they all did the exact same thing. This is not... This isn't child's play. This is a big deal, folks. This is about the solvency of our country, not Donald Trump because you don't like him. Miles, you're the Trump publican. You got to reel me down because it angers me. Well, no, but the, the thing that's disappointing is that ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, MSNBC spent zero minutes talking about the bribery scandals and they they focus strictly on trump so then you do you wonder why we live in two different countries we do but listen those same exact list including pbs and nbc and um, pbs what's the other one npr their focus on things like the document scandal none of it was was an expose or an article of information about the evidence is found, all of it, 100% of it, wasn't much, by the way, but was in defense of Biden, rather than looking at it from the from the perspective of a news source. Every single article that I could find on that topic was major media defending Biden's position on having forgotten 
a warehouse full, hang on, let me say that again, a warehouse full of documents. Now, I'm not talking about his senatorial documents that were stored at some memorial museum within a college institution. I'm talking about vice presidential documents that were top secret and now presidential. They just defended him. Not a single one of them reviewed the evidence, the public evidence. Folks, listen, that's dangerous stuff that we're looking at law and order through the prism of partisanship. That is dangerous stuff for our children and grandchildren. Lud, you're the educated guy. You got a real man because Miles didn't do it. Well, the fact that we find out Biden's got, former as former vice president, documents in a Corvette's trunk in a garage that's unlocked. What's wrong with that? Hillary kept hers in a bathroom in Colorado behind the toilet in a closet. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Well, the thing I'm wondering is, is it because Trump actually admitted that he had them? Because Hillary didn't admit she had them. She Biden bashed, didn't admit it. She bashed hers with a phone. Bashed the phone yeah, with, with a hammer. Yeah. So I heard an interesting scenario on this is, is Trump taking the route that Hillary did? did he, is he learning how she got out of it and going to fight it that way? <laughs> I don't know. To me, there's nothing to fight. Because you did mention earlier, this isn't about not liking Trump. It this isn't. is all about not liking Trump. It, it, but listen, this has nothing to do with But law. that makes us a banana republic. Yeah. And, and I, but we became that in 16 and, and when they started spying on his campaign. True. But listen, folks, you got to understand, those that don't agree with Because Nixon did walk out of office over that, right? Nixon's mistake was... And he didn't even actually do it. He just taped he, the conversation. But, but what he should have said is that we screwed up, and I've just cleaned house. Yeah. And I apologize. Let's move on. Yeah. Instead, we know direct ties right. to the White House were in this campaign in yeah, 16. And, and folks, those that disagree with me, understand something. I'm not defending, nor am I excoriating Trump. I'm saying that we're supposed to be a country of law and order. And if this is true about Trump... He does deserve a trial with a jury of his peers. But if it's true that this is an illegal action, I'm telling you that there's not a single president from either party, at least back to FDR, that didn't do the exact same thing. And I'm not trying to say it's wrong, but they all did it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we've got our presidents with top top security clearance. It isn't like it melts. I remember having this conversation on some mid-level people that were fired in 2015 and 16 on this show where they kept their their clearance forever. And at the time on the air, I'm going, what do you mean you keep your clearance forever? When you get fired, they take you and your box to the door and they walk you off the property. You don't keep your clearance forever. But we're talking about presidential stuff. And so you can't untake the knowledge that they have. And so pretending that they don't, have that knowledge. Folks, it's buffoonery, but it is absolutely banana republic partisanship. Well, and the fact that they're trying to get a former president espionage and not under the Presidential Papers Act, while that's a the far stretch. While the other guy's taking $5 million dollars to engage in foreign affairs to tip the political scales in favor of the person paying, but, paying the $5 million bucks, that's not an issue. This guy's, I, he gets to the point where you go, Really? Who hasn't? Which one of? I mean, Clinton's foundation hasn't gotten a huge donation since she stopped running for president. They got huge donations while Bill was president, while she was Secretary of State, while she was U.S. Senator, while she was running for president. She can't get the presidency anymore. The donations stopped. They did. They did try to ramp that up a couple years after she fell on her face, figuratively and literally. 
but it, it fell on its face. It mimicked hers. Listen, folks, we're done. We're, we're just about out of time, so i got to pause, stop my rant. Miles Bauer, I appreciate you um, setting us up with Victor Davis Hanson. Very nice of you. Great piece on, on both of your parts. Ludwig, thank you. Jared, thank you. But mostly, folks, thank you very, very much. Please find the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, a whole bunch of other places, but also our favorite place, whtc.com. You can find the podcasts there. Thank you very much. Be safe, and we will see you next week.